Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you, with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You can also chime in on the conversation via Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. So the Giants and the Lions wrapped up three straight days of joint practices. We'll recap the latest. Saquon Barkley spoke to the media. We'll get to that. And we'll also get to your phone calls at 201-939-4513. Jeff, let's start with today's final practice. And Pat Shermer earlier in the week mentioned that they're probably only going to go about two-thirds speed and probably even (laughs) less than that today given the fact that they're a day before the game but you know this wrapped up three days of seeing another team competing with another team and you have been in a lot of different joint practices over the course of your career there's pros and cons to it but I think the Giants felt they got a lot out of it finally going up against some different competition this week I I felt that this was a lot like the old days of training camp where guys actually went away Um, you know a lot of a lot of teams don't do that anymore yeah of course the Giants are here at this at the facility but you know that it really sparks a lot of camaraderie guys getting together doing things hanging out together that that's old football that's how it used to be Although it used to be six weeks long, now it's maybe two and a half. <laughs> but my my point is that they're out there, they're 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 practicing against another team. Which these joint practices have come a long ways. I mean, back way back in the '90s, uh, when I was with Philly, we did these types of things, even with the Cardinals, and um, they always didn't turn out right. I think that today's practices, the coaches get together, they understand that you know an organization like the Giants are going to spend a lot of time, a lot of money going and flying the players out there, putting them up in hotels. The staff is out there. There's a lot of people, a lot of moving parts to it. Let's not waste it by getting in fights and doing stupid things. So um, if you've been able to follow Coach Shermer all week, he's been talking about uh, practicing with, you know, above the waist, not getting on the ground. That's where you have injuries. So they come out of, come out of this really good these three weeks so far. Um, I think that, you know, Saquon Barkley hurt his hamstring going to Detroit, so that wasn't something that he did at, at uh, the practices here. But, um, yeah, so these, these are <laughs> – you've got the good and the bad. I, I'm <laughs> going to give you one little quick story about how back in Philadelphia when I was with the Eagles and we went out to – this is when uh, Jerry Glanville was the coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And if you remember Jerry Glanville at all, he, was, he wore all black all the time. <laughs> And uh, he used to remember he's the coach that used to leave tickets for Elvis at the at the gate every game. So he was a little whacked. He's also the guy that's coined not for long. <laughs> not in for terms long, of right? What the NFL stands for. But yes. um, and so Buddy Ryan, uh, who's the coach for the Eagles at the time, we went down to Macon, Georgia. So again, I tell you, we fly out there. We're gonna scrimmage the Falcons, and everything's gonna supposed to be go go good. And this is back in the days where you could pretty much hit anybody anytime. They had full. Full go nine on seven, tackle to the ground. They don't do that anymore in these practices. Two a day practice. Two a day, everything. So, uh, and we were going to practice two days. So the first day, you start off, and most of these scrimmage, most of these practices, you start off doing special teams. It's just the way it is. Get it out of the way and and be done with it. So we did the punt team, and and I remember the coach telling me. Uh, I don't. I don't care how far the punt goes. I don't care. Just make sure you catch it and get it off, because that they're out to block the kick, and that's just kind of like you know if they do, it's like you know high five and around. Meanwhile, the, the punter's there. The only guy in camp is you're gonna get him hurt doing it. Luckily, that that drill went fine. Then we go into nine on seven. Now nine on seven is nine. Uh, off offensive guys versus seven defensive guys. It's really not fair, but the fact is is that it's live. <laughs> they tackle to the ground. And sure enough, the second play from scrimmage, there's a fight. And I mean an all-out fight. Everybody 
in the whole field, no matter where you were, there was guys looking for someone to hit and fight. <laughs> and I'll never forget, I had this w- this white guy receiver come at me, number 86. I'll never forget it. He was about your size. Oh, wonderful. And he comes running at me, and he starts swinging at me. So I grab him, and we tackle. I'm in the fight. You're in the fight. This is phenomenal. I'm fighting this I guy down. I video of this. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, what are you doing, dude? He's like, oh, man, we, everybody's got to fight. I'm like, you have to fight the punter, for God's sakes. <laughs> so... We ended up uh, – he ended up making the roster, and I'll never forget, we ended up playing the Falcons in the regular season. Oh, wow. And uh, I will tell you, back in the day when uh, when we were in Philadelphia, we used to have what was called $100 hits. And so if when you made it, when you made a hit on Sunday, you got 100 bucks in the team meeting on Monday, right? So here I punted the ball, and I'm running down the field, and I see this number 86 oh, guy run right across <laughs> me, and I laid him out. Out, oh, oh, off his feet and onto the <laughs> ground, and the next day is the only time I have ever ever got a hundred dollars for nice. a hit, and it was I I laid him out. Did you walk up to him? Then I just kept that? going. Oh, you I just, just kept, kept going. going. That would have like, been great if you yeah, walked just, up to just, him. I would have taunted him. Yeah. yeah, but my point to this whole thing is, is that you know you see like the the other day where the Jets and the Redskins got in a big fight, and you know there's a if you practice with a purpose here and there's, you know, you kind of get things, but, but it's football. So you're going to have things like some things happen like that, but all in all, this has been a big success for the giants in Detroit. Um, both head coaches have had experience with this. I think that's why it's gone. Well, coach Shermer and of course, Matt Patricia with the, with the Patriots and Belichick. Um, and they, you get, a, you get a lot out of it. I, I really think that it's probably the best way to evaluate because you're going up against guys three days in a row, um, good reps and good players. And so I, I think that they, they both teams get a lot out of this. And um, it is a little bit different. Um, you're going on the road, and you're, it's kind of like the old days of football. Well, I thought Evan Ingram, Jeff, earlier this week brought up a great point, which was you go up against your own defense for X amount of weeks. You understand the releases. You understand yeah. the tendencies <laughs> of the players, whereas you're going up against the Lions players. You haven't seen them all summer. You haven't seen them all season. And that's why it's a great evaluation. Correct. So now the reactions are pure compared to what's going to happen in week one, week two, when you're preparing for an opponent, but you don't necessarily know the ins and outs of what's going to happen in the game. You get to know your defensive players. There's a point where it becomes a little predictable, I guess is what Evan Ingram was trying to say. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you're up, and it it goes, except like during the season, you know, the ones are always going up against the scout teams. So, and those are usually cards, you know, so they know that they're running the other team's plays and stuff but in training camp you do get used to the guys and you know that some guys can't set one way or some guys aren't good stepping to the other and you exploit those um you don't game plan you're not watching film on any of these 80 90 or 90 guys that are in camp in detroit so um and you're not going to figure them out in two days so it is a good it's a good evaluator um i remember speaking with i think i talked to you about this last week the the rams and the baltimore ravens did the same thing they had the joint practices and the rams kept pretty much all their starters out of the preseason game because they had seen enough during the week in the, in the practices. They didn't, not, they didn't need to see anything else in the games other than the second and third team guys. So, and that gives those, those guys who they're, Great who they're most likely evaluating to make the team because when you think about it, the, the other uh, the 44 guys, your, your ones and twos, the backups, I mean, you're talking about 53 guys. You're not talking about a lot. So that gives those second and third teamers a chance to go out and play in a game, and that's a good evaluator for the team. Don't be surprised 
if that happens tomorrow night with the Giants. That's interesting. And the, and the if the Giants decide to hold back maybe some of their starters. I, I don't see why you unless unless you have to see them in game situations, but I don't think you do. I think they got a bulk of their work the first two days. I mean today was kind of a two thirds you know walkthrough, if you will, and they were just going over situational stuff. But in my opinion, why waste a game a preseason game that doesn't mean anything when you've got great work and good evaluations for the first two days coming up. Well, I think the week. player that is related to what you're talking about would be like Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham has gone against Lions defenders Forget every it. single day. So you may say to yourself, all right, we don't need to play him in another preseason game here against yeah. the same team. Yeah. Like that would be somebody that I think it would apply to. And, you know, I wasn't there, so I don't know, but I'm assuming that the uh, – I don't know if the ones ever went with against the ones. As well, far as Beckham was going up against Darius Slight. Okay, and so one-on-one drill. I'm, one one one, I'm wondering if there's well, the, the team drill. No, that's a, that's a great question. I know yesterday, Jeff, they did put in Davis Webb and they put in the backup for the Lions or some of their young quarterbacks with the ones. Very good. So it was still one-on-ones, but they decided, you know what, Eli, Matt Stafford got enough looks. Let's put our yeah. second-tier guys in with the first teams and see how they sure. perform under those sure. circumstances. So I know they did make that tweak yesterday a little now, bit. I say don't be surprised if you don't see But on the other hand, I think you probably will see them for this reason, and this reason only in my mind, is that because it's a new team, because it's, everything is new, you know, they're coming into a game, they've only played one game as a, as a team, and, and new coaches and communication and things like that. So it's, from that standpoint, they may want to be able to get everybody in and kind of simulate a game anyways because it's so new to them. If this was a Ben McAdoo in his third year and things like that, it might be a little bit different. But I think that that's probably uh, what's going to happen. And, and when we talk about playing time in the second preseason game, you talk about the starters going a little bit further than they did last week, um, usually a, f- a full quarter. And then all of a sudden, the, you know, the hat, the hat goes on, the sunflower seeds go in the mouth, and that's it. <laughs> and they become spectators. Yes. Well, they got two series against the Cleveland Browns, the okay. starters. So, like you said, if they extend it to a full quarter, maybe sometimes if something extends into the second quarter, yeah. I think we could potentially see that on Friday as well. Absolutely. And, 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 and again, like last week, the offense um, – the defense didn't have much. They scored because the Browns yeah. scored pretty quickly, and so they you saw the defense in there longer than the offense starters on the offense. So that it just depends. They had, they got numbers. They know exactly how many reps. There's guys upstairs that are counting the reps on all these guys, and then they're calling down, "Hey, Snacks has had his uh, 21 plays or whatever it is. Get him out of there." Well, and when we were talking to Pat Shermer before the game last week when they were playing Cleveland and everybody was pressing him about, you know, how many snaps are the starters going to play, he says, listen, I can give you a number, but it's all going to be based on adjustment. If we go three and out on each of our first two series, yeah, I'm probably going to keep my starters in a little bit longer. So that's really what it depends on. We'll see how the first few series go with the Detroit Lions, and and they'll go from there. I'll tell you what, um, when you look at the work that the secondary, I think the secondary for the defense is is the the units that need the most most work um, going up against some really good quality receivers in practice that the Detroit Lions have okay Um, and so they'll see them in the game and uh, all in all it's 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 great competition and I think you're going to see more and more teams go to this system um, because it makes sense only if you can get through the practices like we talked about at the beginning and they and they work you know you don't want to melees and fights and all kinds of stuff and guys getting hurt that's just not gonna that won't that that's that's going to provoke um, not doing it again next year because when you think about the the money it costs to fly a team out oh, and, host, yeah, and house them for a week, 
Um, and let me tell you something. They're, these are football players. They do not eat lightly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got <laughs> a, a lot of lot big of boys on that team, Jeff. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> and, and when you say three squares, no, that's not three squares. It's like six squares, man. It's like <laughs> pre-breakfast, breakfast, snack, lunch, l- post-lunch, pre-dinner, dinner, snack. Got to make sure that you uh, take care of Oh that. yeah, snacks and those guys, yes, you know. Absolutely. Where do you th- where do you think he gets his name? You know, <laughs> it's not from Three Squares. He's got his own Have table. you ever heard a player yeah. called Three Squares? No, I have, I know a guy named Snacks though. <laughs> <laughs> three Squares. <laughs> three Squares would be a big boy. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. indeed. Anyways, two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Saquon Barkley did not practice for the third straight day. I don't think anybody's surprised with respect to that. He did speak to the media, and a few things that I thought were interesting that Saquon Barkley brought up, Jeff. Number one, he said he wasn't alarmed when it happened. He's dealt with an ankle injury before. I know this is a hamstring injury, but he understands you got to rest. You can't come back quick. And he's actually consulted with Odell Beckham, who went through a hamstring injury, if you recall, during his rookie year, some Lions players. But the one thing he did say was looking back, he's learned the lesson about the importance of hydrating and doing things differently to make sure that he doesn't put himself in this position again. Well, everything is so new to him right now. You know, he gets all caught up in practice and, you know, learning the plays and things like that. I can easily see how uh, a player can just forget about hydration and eating right and things like that. And and the trainers on on every team are are constantly pushing hydration and drinking and all that kind of stuff. Um, And I'd be I'd be very interested to see. Um, what the number was and however they, you know, quantify it. But, you know, those little GPS things that they have in the pads, like what what did it dictate that this was going to happen? There's a lot of times when you can really uh, gauge the, the amount of uh, reps and how far these guys are running and everything. It'll it'll send an alert. Hey, Lance Meadow has done way too much of practice. Today. You might want to go grab him. You know, I'd be interested to see how that that would equate out to what what happened with his injury. Now, while you were breaking down the current Giants, I was trying to do some homework because I'm very interested to see who number 86 was, Jeff. Was it 86? Well, 86. I, no, no, no. You, I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah. Is Does Floyd Dixon ring a bell to you? Because in Di- 1990, you were on the Eagles. Yeah. You did play the Falcons during the regular season. 84, so I was looking. Okay. And 86, was there an 86? 86 they For had Atlanta. on Atlanta. So I'm looking over the Falcons roster. And then when you look at their rushing and receiving, Floyd Dixon was 86. Andre Risen was 80. I think that name would have jumped out to you. Let's see. No, it might have been 85. 85. Sean Collins. Sean Collins. Look okay. that guy. Let's Is there see. a picture of him? Let me see if I'll I can recognize the picture okay. in a minute. We'll, uh, we'll look that up. guy coming at me with just big, you know, he just had platters in his eyes when he was coming Let's at me. Let's see if we can get an image of Sean, of Sean Collins. Collins. Hmm. No, I don't think. No, he's black. Yes. That guy that tackled me you was You said white. it was a white guy. Yes. Okay, so we have to yes. find a white gonna... Atlanta Falcons wide yeah. receiver. And he also made the team that and year. And he did so. make the team. Well, that's yeah. why I was looking through the okay. – but you also said it was a year that you played the Falcons in the regular season. Yes. Okay, yeah. so 1990. Well, it is possible that you did play the Falcons again in the regular season in a different year. Could be. All right, Could so be. then let's look. I know I got the $100 hit on that okay, dude, Okay, so though. 1990. All right, let's go to 91 then. Might be 91. And see if the Eagles Oh, but that was Rich Kotite, though. Was, okay, he, so it was definitely under. Was that Rich Kotite? Yeah, Rich Kotite was 91. So correct. I was there for Buddy for one year in 1990. Okay, so then it had to have been 1990. 1990. Okay, so we so yep. we know for a fact Go it's to the worst preseason game. Was it Atlanta? Did we play Atlanta in the preseason? In the preseason. Let's see. They don't have the full schedule. They only have your regular season schedule. Well, it was so here. long ago I could see yeah. that, you know. <laughs> I mean, they didn't do, even have do, the internet do, back we, then. 
can we look up 1990 Philadelphia Eagles preseason yeah. schedule? Do you, you think see, somebody uh, uh, put that up online somewhere? I know, but let me tell you something. I do remember we yep. didn't have the internet back in 1990. It, we had, it had just started in 99. I remember well, AOL dial up. AOL dial up. Yeah. I mean, and it took forever, <laughs> forever. Ben Smith, look at all those guys. Let's yeah, see. They yeah, have, you got the. They don't even have the. Yeah, they just have season. the regular season schedule up here. We don't have the preseason. But obviously, like you said, if you're only with um, Buddy for one year, it has to be 1990. Yeah. It so the, so now the question is, let's look up the Atlanta Falcons 1990 roster. And then we'll go through all the wide receivers. And we're bound to get to the bottom. We're going to get to the of bottom of this. Who this player is. And then we will get to your phone calls, I promise. This is not going to be the breakdown Please of the 1990 Atlanta Falcons. Please do tell me that we did play them Falcons. that year. We did play them in the regular season. Did play there them. There was. Okay. Yes, so there was. Okay. You played them in okay. week 11. Okay. So you were right about that. All right. So as you know, if anybody has watched this show with Schmelk and I on Fridays when we do uh, did, did, I, did, did Jeff Beagles play with whoever – this the goes to show you that my memory is yes. not the greatest, and I have to, and I <laughs> publicly have stated this, Lance. But I'm usually about you know 33 to 50 percent on on my. But by the way, I know we played him in preseason. No, you we were spot on with that. that. I know that we played him in the regular season, and you were spot on about that too. I know that the receiver too. was a white guy that I hit him, and that he hit me. Okay, so I'm now just we just not need clear. To I'm just not real clear on the number. <laughs> but we're positive it was definitely a wide receiver, though. Are you? Yeah, it was an 80s number. Okay. So I've now looked no, up. No, I'm not positive. I'm going to take that back. <laughs> I've looked up. Okay, well, it's definitely not Andre Risen. No. It's not Floyd Dixon. It's not Sean Collins. I looked up Michael Haynes. It's not him. Yep. How about, I don't know, James Milling. Mm, Let's see. Could James be here. Milling. James Milling, wide receiver. Wide receiver, 84. S- sounds like could that, be does him. That, does that sound like? Uh, James Milling, NFL career guy. Um, Let's see. Do we have an image of on, James come Milling? Come on, James Milling. Please James be. Milling. Is he a that. quarterback, too? Uh, they barely have an nah. image of. No, nope. James Milling. See, it goes back so it's it's so long ago. Well, I'm just fascinated by who you laid out. That's why. And then the last well, one. Well, actually, be. no, they got two more guys here. George Thomas, they have, and they also have, I think, one other wide receiver. So let's. I'm, uh, I'm gonna go with the other guy that he was. Uh, that was him. George. Nope. George is. Uh, no, it's not George Thomas. Nope. And then the last guy on the laundry list here was one other player, I think, that was a wide receiver. Gary. Stacy Bailey. Oh, Stacy. Two more guys, 87. Well, that was a tight end. Oh, he was a tight end. Maybe yeah, so that's a, why I'm only looking. It might have been a tight end. It may have been a tight end. Yeah, that's right. Guys, tight ends could be in the 80s. Yeah. Let's see. Gary Wilkins. Is that the guy that Jeff laid out <laughs> in 1990? Oh, my Gary goodness. Gary Wilkins. Let's let's take a look at Gary Defensive Wilkins. Defensive No, it's not no, Gary Wilkins. Him. No. Damn. Well, we'll we'll continue to look through this during the course of the show because I don't see anybody else in the 80s. What about Stacey Bailey? Stacey Bailey. Well, that was the last guy I was going to look up. Let's let's, uh, complete this set here and look up one more. Stacey Bailey and see if he fits the bill here. No, it's not Stacey Bailey anyway. Hmm. All right. Maybe he wasn't a white guy then. I could have swore he was. You know, memory could be a little foggy. All right. We're not going to fault you. I'm not lying to you. No, I don't. Well, you I'm certainly knew that you. you played the Falcons in the regular season. It's just a matter of whether or not the guy was actually the other, wearing the other a jersey gra- the 80s. The other great thing that happened at that scrimmage was that Buddy Ryan came out in all black. <laughs> to, <laughs> he to, did. To mimic. <laughs> to Garrett, uh, uh, Glanville. He came out in all black. And it was just, yeah, that probably started the whole thing. So Buddy, Buddy did it. I wish that we had video of you laying out the guy running down the field. I if we did, oh my god! I would it would it would be on my Twitter page. I would just 
Well, that's what I'm saying. If yeah. we only had a YouTube video of this. Well, there's YouTube videos of people get me getting laid out. Of course. Well, <laughs> we, we've seen that. We've seen that in recent history yeah. when yeah. you were with the and Giants. And that was with yes. that against the Eagles. The Eagles, too. But yeah. you have some interesting history. Yeah. You have the ability I, I, to lay people out, and then you were yeah. on the wrong end and, of it. And I've been laid out in a Saints Eagles game before, yeah. too. When I was with the Eagles, I got laid out in a preseason game against the Saints, too. Woo! Wow. The 1990 Atlanta Falcons, Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get to more on that front a little bit later on the program. Before we open up the lines to your phone calls, let's hear from John Schmelk, who is at the third and final practice in Detroit to get the latest as we prepare for Friday's preseason game. How are we doing, John? Schmelke. I have a feeling the only real footage of Eagles laying out anybody is some like home movies of him tackling like his seven year old kid in <laughs> no, the backyard uh, at some point. How did you know? I have some of those. <laughs> <laughs> we're just adding to the archives. That's what we're doing. That's right. right. Now. That's yeah. exactly right. And, and and again, John, I I don't know how how long you've been online, but I was I was clearly stating that my memory, as we know, is not the greatest. <laughs> but I got the year right. All right, I got the team right. And so I got. We now just need know, to find the players. We that's, just got the, you know. That's the mystery. Anyways, how you doing, John? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing all right. A little rainy day up there in Detroit. Yeah, we heard the weather uh, wasn't cooperating too much today. Yeah, it was kind of like a light rain or a mist pretty much all morning. So they shortened practice a little bit. I think they cut about a half an hour off of maybe 40 minutes. Um, they still practice outside in that mist, but it was all at like a half or quarter speed. So there was no chance of injury or anything like that. Um, and they and they did a lot of situational work. It was a lot of special team stuff. Um, and it was Jeff will appreciate this. It's a lot of those little situations that come up in games that you want to practice once or twice before you actually get into them. Mm-hmm. So they did some stuff where like the punts were backed up to the goal line, Take and the kicker to get the kickoff without stepping on the end line. Another one where they wanted the punter to uh, run out of bounds at mm-hmm. the end of the game. Yep. Um, so they practiced that. They practiced mortar kicks, free kicks, onside kicks. Um, uh, uh, running that mayday thing where it's only a few seconds left in the clock and the field goal team had to run on the field and try to kick a game-winning field goal. And then offense, defense-wise, they tried like uh, Hail Mary passes, getting up and spiking a ball with only a few seconds left in the clock. So it's a lot of those special situational right. and time management things that both teams worked on today. And you know what? It's it's You mentioned all that these special teams – quirky things happen but they do and you know what if, if you don't go if every if you do not go over all of these things you're getting a game and you have no idea how it happens I'll, I'll give you a prime example of that we've gone we went over this for years and years and years and it never happened to me until finally uh one year against the 49ers um we were playing at the 49ers and this rule came into effect in the last two minutes of a game uh, two minutes of a half or two minutes of a game if you punt and the returner calls a fair catch, you can pick the spot of where you caught the ball, okay, and kick a field goal with no rush from the from the defense. Wow. So we had yeah, a free kick. A yep. free kick. And that ha- rarely ever happens. I saw it happen one time with the Bears when Dave Wanstead was the head coach. But I, I didn't think they'd ever ha- – and we'd hit practices, and it, sure enough, I kicked the ball, they caught it, they got a free kick, and he missed it. Thank you. <laughs> And, yeah. and, and and you can do that with zero seconds on the clock. Correct. Yep. As long as it's just a yeah. fair catch. And then, so these are little things. And then, you know, you mentioned the, the punter running around the back of the end zone. That's like if you're punting the end of the game, there's six seconds left. You do not want to punt the ball or, or have a block kick. You just run around. And right when the guy gets next to you, you just step out of bounds. Then he can't hit you. 
Well, now, like now, did, did did you have to, uh, did you ever have to do that in a game, Jeff? Yes, I've done that in the game, and I've also we've also done it in a game unintentionally where where I'm in the end zone and the ball snapped over my head. So I never even got to te- catch it. <laughs> it's just like forget about you catching it. We're not even gonna. We're this is this is an ultimate insult. All right, Jeff, listen. It's the end of the game. We're just gonna snap the ball. There's two seconds left. Just snap it over his head because by the time it goes out of bounds and the clock, then it's good. Well, so why why even get it, have a chance to you even catch it? What if you get you drop it? <laughs> so just boom right over. Good. Boy, they really had Feel no trust. <laughs> they had no trust in you no at all. Trust. And all, and by the way, that's happened a couple times in my career when we weren't even trying to do that. It was over my head for safety. <laughs> oh man, D, yeah, that's uh, anyways. So anyways, it's good and that's you know it's a great time. Uh, to be able to go over all those situational stuff and and being able to do with the other team there, so you kind of get a you know you go look at other things. So you know from all all reports, John, I haven't had a chance to talk to you. Um, just hearing you on the MSG show yesterday, sounds like everything has been going great. Um, the guys have been practicing well. Lance and I were discussing you know the advantages and disadvantages of these joint practices on the road. They'll work if guys if the two teams understand how to do it, right? Yeah, and look, I think both these coaches got through to their teams this week because both teams were as professional and businesslike yeah. as you possibly could be. I think both teams got a lot out of this. Uh, we talked about it, how three years ago when Tom Coughlin's last year, they went to practice against Cincinnati. We came back saying, oh, boy, this might be a rough year. Uh, I did not get that sense off these Detroit practices. Um, the starters for the Giants, both on offense and defense, more than held their own. Um, the things that I thought were the team's strengths, I think, continue to be their strengths this week. And the stuff that you have some questions about, I'm not sure we got answers to those questions quite yet either. So I still think there's a lot to prove, but it was definitely a good week to get a good amount of work in, a different type of work, a little bit more intense, mimics the game situation a little bit more against a different opponent. And I think it'll help the Giants moving forward. John, any progress in terms of some of the players that were banged up? I know Saquon Barkley didn't practice, but the Dante Deons, the Darian Thompsons of the world, any indication that maybe they're moving forward? No, uh, they're still on the side, especially with the rain out today. I don't think they're going to mess around with uh, with any of the hurt guys. So I think you hope when they get back on the practice field next Monday that those guys are uh, ready to do a little bit more and ready to work. And you keep your fingers crossed that that's the case uh, because these guys, look, Darian Thompson, if he wants to move ahead of Curtis Riley, who seems to have, at least for the time being, cemented his spot as number one safety. Uh, and then for Dante Dion to get back into the mix and pass B.W. Webb, who has kind of cemented himself as the Giants' third-best cornerback, uh, I think they need to get back on the field and do it. I'm not worried about Saquon Barkley. He'll be fine whenever he's ready to go. Um, and, and Connor Barwin, who's a veteran, he'll be ready to go whenever the Giants need him too. So, um, but for Dion and Darian Thompson fighting for you know prominent roles on the team, uh, they better get healthy quick. No question, because that third preseason game, you know, that's the starters. They're playing three quarters or <clears throat> into the third quarter at least. And uh, you know, if you're a backup and you are, as they always say, the cliche, you can't make the club in the tub. Then you know Indeed. that's uh, you got to be able to get on that field and and show you can you can. Be, you know, especially at that safety position. I mean, uh, Curtis Riley, who didn't play last week, as we know, has been on the field. And I think that's been a that's been advantageous for him to be able to practice with the Detroit Lions all this week and be able to play in this game leading up to it. So that's a uh, fierce competition. What about the receiving position, John? Anything uh, that stood out from you from this uh, 
this group. I mean, it's thick. There's a lot of them. I don't know who after after Cody Latimer. I don't know who's going to make this team. Uh, well, I can tell you that Odell Beckham Jr. is impossible to cover for people not wearing a Giants uniform too. Um, yeah. He gets open whenever he wants. He was great all week. Uh, Sterling Shepard again. He he got open too. Very difficult to cover. Um, Roger Lewis caught a couple passes, but I continue to like his special teams work. I think his work as a gunner Good. in the first preseason game was terrific. That might keep and if him he on can the keep team. That up, yeah, I think yeah. Jeff that could really solidify a spot on the roster for him. Um, I think Hunter Sharp, aside from those two drops in the preseason game, which you don't like to see, I think he's played pretty solid football. And I think Cody Latimer has has, has done some good things too. So okay. um, I think that to me, those are the five guys right now. Yeah. The other guys have a shot to you know do something and, and maybe make a little bit of a run here. Yep. But to me, at least in my opinion, those are my clear cut top five. Okay. Yeah. And you never know. We got a long ways to go before uh, September 9th or whenever the you know whatever the date is that the first game is. Is it the ninth? Yeah. Yeah. No, you were right. It's the ninth. Well, one name you didn't mention, John, though, is Khalif Raymond, who you know, speaking of special teams like Roger Lewis, he's been a guy too. He could return that too. could very well hammer out a spot if he could show consistency yeah. as a receiver as well as consistency on the special teams front. Yeah, and I think that that's the second part, Lance. That's most important. It's the consistency on the special teams. If the Giants like, you know, Latimer and Sharp just as much or better as returners, Raymond can't really help you on coverage teams. He's just not big enough, you know? Yeah. So I'm not sure what the rest of his role is going to be. That's going to be his challenge. So I think Raymond really needs to separate himself as a return man, and then maybe that will um, allow him as a receiver. And I think as a receiver, he's right on the same level as those other guys. But he needs to give you something else in those other areas, and I don't think we've seen enough from from him in those spots yet. I would expect him to be the primary punt and or kick returner in one of these preseason games to give him a shot to kind of show these coaches what they can do. Well, you know, another guy on that topic that I don't think we talk enough about, and he's got a connection to Gettleman in Carolina, is what about Russell Shepard? You know, there's another one, John, who also has special teams in his background, who has a lot more height than Khalif Raymond because he's 6'1", yeah. yet everybody seems to not necessarily take him into consideration because we always talk about the Roger Lewises and the Cody Latimers of the world, but Shepard's a polished veteran. This is somebody that's been around the NFL for some time. He is. Look, and the Giants don't have, you know, a ton of wide receivers with a lot of height. Um, their two biggest guys are uh, Marquise Bundy, and Alonzo Russell, yep. um, who are really their tallest guys on this roster. I'll give you the numbers in a second as I load up my roster page Russ, here. Russell's 6'3". Um, yeah, Russell's 6'3". Yeah, Marquise Bundy's 6'4", 215. Yep. Then Alonzo Russell's 6'3", 206. Out of those bigger guys, I think Alonzo Russell's uh, number 84 for the fans that have been out of practice has probably looked the best out of that group. But you're right. Um, Shepard's a guy that was with Gettleman in Carolina. He has some NFL experience. And these are the guys that they don't just have to be good enough, Lance. They need to do things to make the coaches notice. And, they, you know what, maybe we need to take a second look and, and, and kind of reconsider these guys who have been in and out with the third team in practice much more than the second team. And those are the guys that really need to do something impactful in these preseason games to have the front office, personnel department, and coaching staff take a second look at it. Well, we'll see. I mean, uh... That goes for every position for those backups, you know, the back end of the roster. It's really what yeah. preseason's all about, in my opinion. I, I think it's, it's, it's finding those 10 extra guys that are going to make the team every year that um, when you really look at it, it comes down to will they play a lot, 
yeah, but they're not going to play in their position. It's usually special teams. And, you know, we talk about it all the time, but that is the, the <coughs> significant difference between guys making it and not making it is how good they do on specials. Uh, we can't say it enough. And I know that when you're a young guy coming into the league, you, were, you so desperately want to come in and make a splash at your position. It's very difficult if you're not a first four-round draft pick. you got to come in and play special teams and work your way up. Yeah, I agree. And I think, Jeff, uh, because of all the good reps, uh, you know, the first team guys got in practice this week against the live opponent in the Lions, I would not be surprised if we saw a lot of the second and third teamers in the second preseason game. Yep. And maybe the way they substitute is going to look a lot, look a lot like, a lot more like, pardon me, preseason game four than it would preseason game number three. So it would not, again, I haven't heard anything. I haven't talked to the coaches. But if you think of it logically, and these guys got a lot of good live reps against an opponent this week, yep. why put them out there and risk them um, in some sort of injury situation in the game on Friday night against the Lions with tackling? So I okay. think we're going to see a lot of the twos and threes on Friday from Pat Schirmer and his staff. That's just my guess. Yeah, I agree. And, Jeff, you even brought that up earlier in the show when we were yeah, talking. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned to John, I, th- I couldn't remember if it was you or John. Remember, I think it was you, John. I told you about the uh, – how the Rams and the Baltimore Ravens did the same thing, and then the Ra- the Rams didn't even play any of their starters for that for that game because they had seen enough during the week of practices. They didn't want to go and 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 take any chances in the game about getting guys hurt. So it's a good philosophy. I think that really, from an evaluation standpoint, they got a lot of a lot of work, a lot of evaluation for these players during the, the really the bulk of the two practices today. Well, you know, it's not so much, but they have to be there anyways because they got to play the game tomorrow. Absolutely. John? Yeah, absolutely. All right, we will speak to you, I'm sure, manana. We will see you tomorrow. Yes, well, we, you, you won't see him tomorrow, but uh, we will hear you tomorrow, yes. Lance and I will hear you tomorrow. With respect to the Giants. I know you show. guys are going to be shortly texting and emailing me if I have the radio rundown done yet. Where's the rundown, um, I will be working. I will be working on that shortly. Uh, that, that, yeah. that is my afternoon prog- uh, prog- project for the next oh, three hours. Nice. So hopefully I have everything out to you guys by uh, 5 o'clock, give or take, and we'll, uh, we'll have Wayne Gallman as our pregame interview on WCBS News Radio 880 starting at 6.05 on Friday, and uh, Pat Shermer will interview him tomorrow at our production meeting, and you'll hear from the head coach of the NYG on that pregame show as well. And, of course, Detino arrives today. So uh, I, w- I was watching outside, and they have a bunch of construction crews trying to smooth out the sidewalk a little bit for him. So <laughs> when he gets here. here, he has that runway to really kind of get his speed going on those walks of his. So, he does, so there aren't any tripping incidents, there's no lawsuits, and Paul have a good area to be able to stretch out the legs. Well, we, we told him that he couldn't walk to Detroit, he wouldn't make it in time. So we put him on the plane. Yeah, he was a little disappointed yeah. in that. Yeah. Yeah, but considering, John, you mentioned the other day that you're not staying close to the city. So are you sure that he has ample time and space to do what he needs to do because i would think you yes, know if you're out in the not, suburbs yeah, i mean yesterday not uh, a lot of sidewalk. i had to get back from practice and i finished my writing there's not a whole lot to do around here at night in this particular suburb of detroit that we're in um which is about 20 or 25 minutes away from the city uh a fellow co-worker and i took literally like a four mile like hour hour or so walk so there is plenty okay. of sidewalk around the that hotel here awesome. for Paul to get his miles wow. in. He should be fine. Oh, he is going to be on cloud nine when he gets there. I wish I knew that information to tell him before he got <laughs> on the plane because I saw him this morning. And, I mean, he was obviously bubbly as he always is. But yeah. this would have just 
sent him skyrocketing. Just make all sure alone just, to just make sure you walk into the right neighborhood over there in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Paul, Paul's gonna have a lot of nervous energy too. You know, he, he, he yeah. Paul took a bit of a step back with Davis Webb's performance in game number one. You know, <laughs> this is this is this is That's just true. as an important as, uh, of a yeah. game for Detino as it is for Webb. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, we know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God forbid if Tatino is wrong on anything, right? Don't want to go there. <laughs> I'm sure we'll figure out a way to uh, blame you for it, Beagle. Yeah, there will be. That's okay, though. I, I don't care. I really don't. You know that. Anybody can blame me for whatever they want. It doesn't matter to me. I know that I didn't do it, and I didn't say it. All right, so that means tomorrow we'll get an update on Paul Dottino's stroll throughout Motown in addition well, to hearing nothing from to Wayne do Coleman there, he and might Pat Sherman. A, yes. He calls him the Nike 5-mile. It might be a Nike 15-mile. <laughs> it may be. Yeah, he'll add a mile for every uh, second of boredom that he has out there. All, All right, right, John, John. we'll stay, stay dry yes. there, buddy. We'll uh, talk to you tomorrow. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Talk to you on the pregame tomorrow, boys. Have fun. All right. Okay. John, John Schmelk from Detroit, the latest in terms of what is happening out at practice as they just wrapped up their third straight day of joint practices. Now we're going to open up the phone lines to you one, one, on one, the lines. Real quickly. Yes. So um, I just going to show you this. So this is from my dad, by the way. Okay. Hi, watching your show today. Enjoying it. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Dad. Hi, Dad. <laughs> How are we doing? Hello, Mr. Fiegel. My pops is yes. in, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, so we we're getting – Watched all the way from the West Coast. So I want to say hello to Dad. Very nice. There you go. I'm sure he enjoyed you reminiscing about your playing days, especially early in he your career. He probably could tell more. I'm surprised he may have not known who the player he probably, was. He probably does. He, he probably does. Way better memory yeah. than I do. Trying to figure out who wore a number that started with an eight <laughs> for the Atlanta Falcons and who did Jeff Eagles lay out. If anybody has some archival footage or could track down something on YouTube, we'd welcome you to chime in here on the program. And I'm sure that there's there's some debate on what the word laid out means. Like, I to me, I laid them out. Well, I mean, listen, I think it's crystal clear. Based on your description, I mean, I'm not doubting you. Somebody might wa watch it and go, that's not being – you didn't lay anybody out. You put your shoulder into his shoulder. That's yeah, but it. if he goes flying, as you said, he went and he went – Splattered out on the ground. There's no not literally, not but you understand out, what I'm saying. There's no yes. question that he was he was off the, his feet. Now, who was the Philadelphia Eagle that got that hit on you? That would be a one Jeremiah Trotter. That was it, Jeremiah Trotter. Yes. Now that I know is on YouTube because I've seen that. And that that I know that I got my own rule, the Jeff Eagles rule, there you which go. is a official NFL rule that you are not allowed to hit a kicker or punter unless they are within. I think it might be – I'm just going to – I think it's 15 or 20 yards of the play. But that's fine because I never really ever got up that close to a game. <laughs> yeah. I was never up 15 <laughs> or 20 yards, so it didn't matter. Yeah. So I was hit <laughs> 30 or 40 yards away from the play, and I was I was yeah. laid out and out uh, yes. cold. Yeah. And this was way before the concussion protocol ever came into of effect. Course. When I yeah. remember – I don't remember even going back in the game or even how he getting home that day. Yeah. See, they just, back in the day, they just gave you the smelling salt. Yeah, how many said, fingers? Hey, Jeff. Yeah, how many fingers? <laughs> Somebody was whispering in my ear, say three. Three! <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't think you're appreciated enough, Jeff. The sacrifices that oh, you made no question, for Lance. every other punter and kicker that was ever going to suit up in the National Football League, what you had to take from Jeremiah Trotter, yeah. I, just, I don't think it's appreciated to this day enough. Yeah, no, the still, jaw, you, oh, the, the tingling today, sensation, yeah, it's right? It's just unbelievable. You still feel it. Oh, yeah. It's remarkable. I still get like a clicking noise in my jaw. That's what it's from. Boy, Jeremiah Trotter. Why? It was such a <laughs> Don't wish that on and anybody. Was, not only that, it was such a great kick. I mean, it was like over 45 yards, like two yards from the sideline to Sean Jackson. I'm like, there's no way this fool is going to 
even think about returning this. And sure enough, he did. And he reversed the field. And that's how when a, when a kick comes, when a returner comes all the way across the field, you've got to start turning this way. And you don't, you don't ever see what's coming from the left-hand side. That's and what that, it takes. That would be number whatever, Jeremy. I think it was 54 was Jeremiah Trotter. I know he's a 50s well, number. Well, he certainly wasn't an 8, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> you you knock out the 8s. The 5s do the other Yeah, the 5s knock the out any number. <laughs> exactly. That's what they do for a living. Yeah. Last I checked. Oh, so we're going to go to my man Pete. That's right. 201-939-4513. Let's open up the lines. we got Pete Hold on Staten Island. Hold on, Pete. Let me ask you. Hey, Pete, how you doing, huh? <laughs> yeah, how you doing? Hey, hey how you doing, doing, Pete? <laughs> I love Pete. See, you but know, you beat Pete you know to the what? spot I, today. I yeah. know. Hey, listen, I, I think, you know, it's possible if they had concussion protocol back then, you know, maybe it was that blast that you gave the guy with that, you, you know, you kind of lost it and you forgot over the years, you know. You don't know, you don't know. That's hate. That is a great, of... great point. The rationale. No wonder I have no memory. <laughs> there you did go. You went, you we went, blame did, Jeremiah did you Trotter. Go head, did you go head first? You said shoulder. I don't know. Maybe hit him with your helmet. No, it was know. legal hit. I, I only hit legally, and I knocked him out. Yeah. I mean, he was gone. Listen, I, I'd love, to, love nothing more than to see this footage. Oh, me too. Oh. I would love to see it too. You I want to make sure it. that I'm, I'm, not, that I'm, that I'm spot on. <laughs> yeah, when you hit him, did you say, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> hey. I should have said after after he was down, I'm like, hey, how you doing now, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's going That's on? That's what I Pete? said. It would have been great if you taunted him after it. So what else you got yeah, for us, Pete? Uh, I wanted to go into uh, the tight ends a little bit. Um, you know what? I think I really I've been talking about this for months with a few of the guys, and I really believe that Red Ellison is going to have a huge role this year. And what I mean by huge role is I think he's going to be lined up as an H back. I think he's going to be lined up on the offensive line for chip blocks. I think he's going to be running routes out of the H uh, back position. I also think he's going to be running routes off the offensive line. And I also think he's going to be running routes out of the slot. I really believe they're going to – because he was on, certainly underutilized last year. There's no question about that. Um, and I think in this particular kind of offense, I think he's going to be a major cog. I really do, especially with the chip blocks. What do you guys think? Well, I, I agree, and I'll tell you for one reason – too. Let me bring out my flip card here. There we go. All right. If you if you look at this flip card, here it is. All right. On this on the Giants offense, it says on here. Where is it? They have two tight ends listed, okay? And only uh, two receivers, right? That's right. So, that tells you that they are going to use Red Ellison in this offense a lot. Look at this. Tight end, tight end. Right, last year they didn't use this. They had one tight no, end. No, it's just one tight end. Yeah. So, this offense and Pat Shermer's way of matchups—that's what it's all about. They're going to use Red Ellison. If you match up and you can't, and you're going to try to cover Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, and Odell Beckham with two tight end sets, you're going to have to cover the other guy too. And you got—and it's all about matchups. It's all about position. It's all about personnel and where you line them up. And I agree with you, Pete. I think that you will see him in all of those positions. I think that um, Shane Smith is going to be a guy that's going to make this team as a fullback slash tight end, but I think you'll see more of him in the fullback position, but you'll see Red Ellison in the backfield well, too. Well, here's one thing that's very interesting to what you're pointing to and what Pete asked. If you would have told me 
or if I would have told you this, Jeff, that Red Ellison played double the amount of snaps in 2017 with Ben McAdoo than he did with Pat Shermer and the Vikings coaching staff in 2016, would you have believed me? Because no. that's what happened. Yeah. He actually he played fifty. He played fifty percent of the snaps last year. I just looked it up. Whereas with the Vikings in 2016, he only played twenty four percent of the snaps. And I think coming in when he when he was signed uh, by the Giants, I think he'd only he only caught eight passes. Yeah, he was career. very rarely used yeah. as an offensive target. He was more as a blocker oh, for Adrian Peterson. If you remember last year in the preseason, they used him a lot, and we were kind of getting excited, like, wow, look at this. And then they you yeah. know, they kind of went away from him a little bit during the season, but I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think they're going to use him. I agree, and I think, like I said, point, I would have never thought that he had that many snaps in terms of about 50% last year. So if he got 50% last year and he wasn't even a starter listed in the double tight end formation – I don't see why those numbers can't increase if sure. they do stick to a lot of two tight end sets this season. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think also, like I said, I think he's going to be running routes out of the H-back position. I really do. And, you know, he certainly can catch the ball. There's no question about it. No he can. Question. And he's a good blocker. And I can see him on the offensive line, especially because Flowers is still a question mark. There's no doubt about it. He's still a question mark. So I can see him on the offensive line with chip blocks there to help out, and with a little bit of a chip block and still go out in the route at the same time. You know, just get his chip and then run his, you know, run his route. And I, quite, quite frankly, I, I think he's going to be a major cog. And my breakout player of the year is going to be Sterling. I have, if you go off of, if you just match up, if you just go off of what Thielen uh, did with them last year, and that was the first year that he was in the slot because he was outside the year before. And Shermer, uh, I, I read an interview with uh, with Mike Zimmer, and he said it was Shermer's recommendation to move Thielen into the slot. And if you look up last year's number, he had a Pro Bowl season. I think he had like 1,100 yards. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think Sterling is going to be the breakout player of the year on offense. I really believe that. Because oh. you know what? They're probably going to try and double OBJ. They're going to roll their – the defense to OBJ, and that's going to open the field up for Sterling. That's the way I see it. And I really believe Brad Ellison's going to be a major cog in the offense this year. I really do. All right, guys, I'll take the rest All of right, you. Pete. All right, Pete. Have Sterling. a good one. Appreciate the good phone talking call. talking to you. Thanks so much for weighing in. All right, I hope I find that footage because I you want keep to Yeah, if you do, listen. If you, if you <laughs> find it, Pete, you make sure you send us a link. Because that's right. I'd like to see it. I think it we too. all want to see it. Don't keep it to yourself. Yeah. Oh, no, I'll bring it to the stadium. I'll have All to right, even the, better. Put we'll put it on the Jumbotron. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, during a TV timeout. Gotta be the careful. Will get it, might, a treat. it might stop everybody in their tracks. Won't, they so won't just... be able to concentrate on the rest of the That's game right. after they get a look at are. what Jeff Eagles does. Yeah. Thank you, You Pete. actually, and appreciate the phone call, Pete. They may not allow you in the suites that you normally I, walk I, around I with before the game yeah. because they may be a little intimidated. You never know. Having you in there, yeah. You never know. Who knew that Eagles had such toughness in them? I, I do like what he's talking about, and I also think that Sterling Shepard, you know, he's healthy. Uh, last year he was hurt. I think he was hurt all year. Um, I know he didn't play in, in five games or whatever, but I think that he was – I think he's healthy. And I tell you, it's it's a little bit contagious. I mean, just think about this. When when you're out there practicing with, with Odell and you're watching him every single day and every single drill and everything that he does – um, there's a little bit of a, a rub-off scenario here. I mean, you start looking at the moves that o Odell's doing, not that he can ever do do all of them, 
but you start to understand how he gets separation and some of the moves that he does. You start looking at some of these routes that, that Sterling Shepard is running, they're very similar to how Odell Beckham runs his routes. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, they're successful, okay? He's just got to stay healthy just like everybody else, and I think that he will have a good year And I think because I think they have the right coach to put him – Coach Shermer is a smart guy. He he basically lines up personnel to their to matches their ability and puts them in in situations to succeed. So in certain games, in certain matchups, you're going to see Odell here and Sterling Shepard here and Evan Ingram here and Red Ellison. It's all about matchups and 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 trying to to win by defeating the other team's defense and putting them in positions. Well, I think Shepard's a great candidate for a breakout player of the year in terms of. The last caller's comparison to Adam Thielen, you know, Thielen's got a little bit more size, so that's one yeah. thing you have to take into consideration. And the other thing is they're moving all of these wide receivers around this year, Jeff. They're not telling Sterling and Odell you're going to be only here as opposed to the slot. They're making sure everybody Yeah, I remember we talked about all this, those positions. That, that Tyke Tobert is making, and, and Coach yep. uh, Shermer is making every one of the receivers play and learn every position so that when injuries come around – I've got Odell, or I've got Sterling Shepard that can play outside if something happens, and, and vice versa. So that's that's a good thing. Yep. Well, the versatility will certainly be a benefit for this Giants offense because I think they're of the perspective, Jeff, compared to last year when Beckham went down, Marshall went down, Shepard went down. If you have the back end of your receiving core well diversed in terms of knowing all the positions, then you could plug in them anywhere you want, as opposed to saying, hey, you know what, Cody Latimer's only an outside guy, can't play the slot, right. so who do we then move inside? Yeah. If everybody's familiar with both spots, then you pick and choose who you want to line up yeah, there. Yeah, because you, you could get in a game situation where you don't have the luxury of pulling somebody off the practice squad or whatever, you yeah. got to go with what you got that game, and if, you're, if your receivers know every position... Then you're not, you know, you're not stuck with two hands tied behind your back and say, "Oh God, how are we going to get somebody to play slot? We don't even know. They don't even know the position." That's what that's what that uh, pretty much guards against. And as far as Red Ellison being more heavily involved in terms of running routes, I don't know if I would go that far, Jeff. Well, I, I, I could see him lining be up a Dwight lot. Clark. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't foresee that happening. The reason being is because you still have Evan Ingram on the team. Yeah, and I mean, Red Ellison is a guy that he's he's an auxiliary. He's an outlet. So if if you're in your third or fourth progression and there's Red Ellison, he's going to get the football. Of course, Red Ellison is not going to in your in the in the huddle. You're going to get in there, and Red Ellison's your number one receiver. Okay, um, and and you never know when you get up to the line of scrimmage, and you, if you're a quarterback and you look at you scan the defense and see where everybody's matched up, the mismatch you may see might be Red Ellison. He might be on a on a short corner or somebody like that. Then there's your matchup. You're going to go to him. That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, that'll be a security blanket, no and it could end up being a guy that you dump it off to on third down if you need to move the chains and get a first down. I'm looking at his numbers, and this is why it's important to at least have some perspective. You're talking about a player who, first of all, his career high in a single season is 19 receptions. Last year, right? Uh, no, that was back in 2014. Okay. No, no, 24. You're right. I stand corrected. I'm looking at his Vikings numbers. He had 24 last year. That is a career high, and right. you were right, Jeff. That was last year. His high, though, with the Vikings was 19 in 2014. So 19, 24, not a huge difference. 24 is the most. I mean, do the math. He had 24 catches in 16 games. Okay. And he had 235 yards. And he had two touchdowns, which was also a career high. He had a career high last year. 24 receptions was a career high. Receiving yards was a career high. Touchdowns was a career high. So that was his career high. Look, could he 
surpass all those numbers? I don't think it's crazy. I mean, could he get 30 receptions this year? Could he get three touchdowns? Could he get 300 receiving yards? Absolutely. But it's not as if those numbers are astronomical (laughs) that he's going to be putting up Kyle Rudolph, the Vikings tight end-esque numbers. I wouldn't go that far. I think they look at him as sort of a jack-of-all-trades, as you were alluding to, Jeff. They look at him as, hey, if he's a guy we can line up out of the backfield to make some holes for Saquon Barkley, great. He can help the offensive line, great. He could be a third-down security blanket for Eli Manning, great. But I don't see them saying to themselves that Red Ellison's going to be lining up you know, X amount of times that we're going to be you know, drawing up some plays for him. I, I would yeah. not go that far. He's not out there in the slot with his hand down and, you know, yeah. it's, you know like, hey, over here, throw it to throw me. Throw me the ball. Yeah. yeah. But no, he's a situational player. Correct. He'll be put in those situations and, and as, as far as matchups go. And those types of players are ideal in the red zone when you're knocking on the door in the end zone yeah. because he's just, a big target. Just ask, ask Jason Witten. Exactly. <laughs> he knows yeah. how to get open. Well, or even, I was going to say, against the Browns, David Njoku, in terms of what he did, the Browns tight end. And speaking of Njoku, as impressive as his performance was against the Giants, I'm not trying to get off topic here in grabbing those two touchdowns. How about, Jeff, and we talked about this on the postgame show. That he's from Miami? Yeah. Well, yes, that goes without yeah. saying. What else? I'm sorry. That's where I should have started. You started well, that. no, I was going more a connection okay. to Just your way. Sure. I wasn't going the Miami connection. I was going the special teams route. <laughs> yep. Yep. He made a spectacular oh. open field tackle. He's very athletic, and that's why they drafted him in the first round. I mean, he's a guy that can, you know, go down there and make tackles. He, he's a special player. He really is. Um, And, and, and from that position – I was listening to the Browns uh, post-game show. I don't know why I had it on, but they were saying how, you know, that's just the way he practices too. He is so he's so good, especially in the red zone, and he does he does the right thing. Oh, I know who I speak. And it wasn't the post-game. It was. Uh, I was gonna the, say, how were you listening to no, the no, Browns no, post-game no, no, show? No, no, you were on with me. No, I meant after post-game, like after. <laughs> oh, after. I was like, so, what do they have a three-hour post-game oh. show? <laughs> <laughs> no, that came out wrong. Not the post-game show. We were doing the post-game. Yeah, show. I was gonna say, Jeff, where were you? Yeah. Post game after the game. After the okay, the was, actual um, post game. Who's the the quarterback? Oslot. We had him on our show one Dan time. Dan Orlovsky or from yeah. Lions. Okay. Right. Um, I guess he's doing some ESPN. Yeah, he is. He's doing or, some or ESPN working. analysis. Very good analysis. Um, he was saying that uh, he he had broken down the one of the touchdowns that he that he he caught, and he was said if this guy can do this type of work during the season, he's going to be really, really good. Well, he's already really good, so you don't have to tell me that. No, well, he's from Miami. I mean, you know, the minute you get to tight end you, yeah, for I mean, God's sake. Of I mean, course. Greg Olson is from there. I mean, we got all kinds of guys. Come. Shockey. Do I need to keep going? Well, I was going to mention, I don't know, do you still mention Kellen Winslow? Is that allowed? Of course. Well, I mean, okay, that's just given what he his did history on the and everything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I wasn't sure whether you, you know, kept him as part of the fraternity. We kind of do. You kind of do. Okay. All right. Fair I enough. mean, let me tell you, we use his name if we ha- if it's going to get us over the top. Like Meaning if, if you're head-to-head with another right. school we, and it's got seven tight out, ends versus like, six. Well, you know, we didn't bring up this guy, so Correct. that's probably going to yeah. win the conversation. Right. So uh, that, that's fair. I, I think that's very fair in, in terms of when you choose to carefully select his name. The guys from Miami are fair. We're fair people. So it's fair. There's no bias whatsoever oh, no. brought into that. None whatsoever. Miami's the greatest. What do you got on Roto World? No, I well, I just had that in case we get some breaking news uh, from the NFL front. By the way, two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the telephone number. Still have a few minutes left in the program. If you want to give us a ring, talk about anything Giants related. We're also monitoring Twitter hashtag Giants chat. But the reason I brought up the special teams point, Jeff, with respect to David Njoku, and it goes back to what we were talking about with John. If somebody Friday night 
makes a play like Kerry Wynn did. Mm-hmm. When Kerry Wynn knocked the ball loose yeah. and they were able to recover the fumble, you know, those are the types of plays you're looking for out of wide receivers, linebackers, Safety. guys who are battling yeah. for those fourth and fifth spots because it's not just about making the flashy return. It's about, hey, maybe you make a great tackle. And, and I could do it. And to go one step further, um, when you break down the film, a lot of times on special teams – you're not the guy to force the fumble. You're not the guy to recover the fumble or the guy that made the great hit. You're the guy that sets up for a player to make one of those plays. And, for instance, uh, the gunners at positions running down on a punt. Um, you, you're getting mauled going down there. You're double teamed. You're doing everything you can to fight your way through there. You may not be able to make that tackle, but you got down there, you busted your butt, and you're down there in front of the returner where the re- you forced the returner to the inside where the gunner on the other side beat his two guys and the returner never saw him, and he blew him up and the ball comes out. So my point is is that not only do you have to – you don't have to make tackles and things like that. You just got to play good. You got to execute. And, and you have to understand your positions on the field, your, your responsibilities. When you're running down on kickoffs, if you're an R1, an L5, whatever the numbers are that you line up, you have responsibilities and gap integrity, getting down to where you're at. If you're an R2 or whatever and you're out of position and they jack one for a touchdown, the first person they're going to look at is this guy. What are you doing, Lance Meadow, running down the middle of the field when you're supposed to be contained? So that's my point. Is that It's not all about X's and O's. It's about understanding where you're supposed to be in a play, there's a 10 guys covering kicks, okay? You don't count the kicker or the punter because we're not really part of that. No, of course but not. But the other 10 guys that are going down there, you have a responsibility and you have integrity. you got to be where you're supposed to be. And as soon as somebody's out of line, then that's how things happen. So my point is those guys, if, if you don't make a play, at least don't make a mental mistake. And maybe you can be the guy that causes an effect to have the fumble recovery or something else of that matter. Yeah, do something that could at least do help set up success for me, your yeah. teammate. Like when I get my grade at the end of the day and it, and I have no tackles, but my grade is 100%. Why did I get graded out at 100%? Because I every every one of the plays that I did, if I had 12, 13 special teams plays, I graded out my assignments were good, my responsibilities were good, I have no negatives, then that's how I do it. So that's all you could ask for. And the coaches see that. They start, they get the grades for every, every game, every play, they grade them down there and if your name is at the top for grades and repeatedly your name is up there at the top that's going to tell me guys knows what he's doing there are there isn't a coach in football that will take a guy ability over a over a guy that's smarter okay i would take smarts over ability any day because the ability guy is going to get me in trouble if he's not smart because the smart guy will know his assignments. He's going to know where he's supposed to be. Mistakes. And if I'm a coach and I know that the free safety is supposed to be here, or, I, or I'm a coach and I know that the, the lineman is supposed to pull in this play and get up in his gap and hit this, uh, you know, the wheel linebacker, whatever it is, and he's not doing it, the play's over. But if he doesn't have the greatest ability and is the smartest one of the smarter players in the team, I'm going to take him. I will take him. I will. Yeah, I'm not with everybody, you. you know. Because what we just talked about also are the things that don't show up in a box score. The only way you're telling those things is if you study the film. And football is the ultimate one like that because there's 11 guys on each play. And, you know, you can't have 11 statistics on each play. So there's either a guy that runs it and gets X amount of yards or a guy that throws it and catches it. I mean, all the rest of them, if you're a lineman, you're not on the box score unless you recover a fumble or something. Yeah, exactly. And you're not necessarily noticed or heard of unless maybe you give up a sack or something else. Yeah, it's like the holder. You never really know. Nothing, nothing, you never get mentioned until something bad happens. No news is good news, as <laughs> no I always say, with respect news. to those players. Right. 
Let's try to squeeze in a call or two before we wrap up the program. Scott's in New Mexico. Scott, what's happening? Hi, Scott. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good, Hello, Scott. What do you got for us? Uh, two questions. Well, first one concerns the... <coughs> excuse me. The, uh, Don't get all back. emotional on us. Yes. Where, <laughs> where, the, where does the situation with uh, Shane Smith actually stand now? Uh, well, what, he, what do you mean the situation, though? Well, uh, I assume the Giants are going to keep four running backs. Uh, I'm guessing anyways. Uh, they already have three, and then maybe Jarrell Williams or Robert Martin might make the team. Uh, would Shane Smith be an odd man out, or are they still going to use him in the see. I think you're going to see four tight ends, with one of them being I agree. Smith. Okay? And so they okay. did, and you have it, – it's either way. I mean, you keep four four running backs, and Smith's going to be one of them. You only keep three tight ends, vice versa. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think that he will be on the team, and he will be a, a hybrid uh, fullback, halfback, and tight end. Though, okay. int- though interestingly, what I'll add to that, and I agree with what Jeff just said, if you go to the unofficial depth chart on Giants.com, Shane Smith is actually lined up with the running backs. Mm-hmm. But I could see if they do ultimately keep four tight ends, I could also see them line him up yeah. as a tight end. But the labels are meaningless. It's all about the numbers right. game Correct. and whether or not you think he has value on the team. And I will say this, from listening to what Pat Shermer has said, he has stressed that if they keep a fullback slash running back who can play tight end, they have to be able to run routes and catch passes. There's no wiggle room around that. That's the only reason why they would earn a roster spot because of their versatility. If they can't do that, then there's no purpose of keeping them on the roster. Yep. Okay. Um, my last point, and obviously it's the sort of the elephant in the room, uh, Davis Webb had a poor performance, obviously. He's going to probably get most of the reps, I'm assuming, in this game coming up. And I hope it doesn't happen. But if he has another poor performance, what actually does do the Giants do at that point? And I'm not saying they're going to uh, put him down or whatever, whatever, but uh, does uh, Kyle Aletta get moved up, or will they still work with uh, him and give him another, um, you know, a practice game, et cetera? What actually do you think will will actually transpire? I don't think think much will, um, just because the the durability of of one Eli Manning is not going to, you know, I don't think they're really absolutely worried about the backup quarterback position other than the evaluation process. I know that they drafted Kyle Liletta for a reason. Right. I I think they really, really like him, and I think that uh, he's going to get some more playing time tomorrow night and uh, certainly on uh, the third game and then the fourth game because I think that they're trying to evaluate both of them, and I think you got to give – um, I think you got to give Davis Webb a majority of it, but the fact is that you drafted a guy in the fourth round who should have been maybe a, a second or third round draft pick from what people say. Let's see right. what this kid can do, and, and really it's meaningless who's the backup unless something happens to Eli. Well, uh, the, it may be meaningless, but Eli is also 37 now, so aren't you a little bit more susceptible to a injuries little, as you get a, older? A little bit. And so that's what I was concerned yeah. about. Yeah, I, I, I think that if, if for some reason, if they're not too cons- – I mean, listen, I, I think if, if something happened to, to Eli where he was out for the regular season and this team right. was in the midst of uh, you know having a pretty decent year, I'm, right. I'm guessing that there's probably going to be a veteran that's going to be called in. Okay. It's possible they could go in that direction, or unless they just feel out of these next three preseason games, one of the two separates themselves from each other. 
You know, because right now all we have to operate under is Kyle Laletta has a very small sample size of reps in his first preseason right. game, and Davis Webb had preseason games from last year and then a so-so performance the first week. So uh, there's really, I will continue to say this, there's not a lot to go by. You know, Ryan right. Nassib, the comparisons with Ryan Nassib, I get people to throw that out there, but Ryan Nassib, we had like three preseasons. So <laughs> we, we had 12 games. <laughs> we're we're, true, we're, we're right. not at the point yet where we're looking at that volume of games. So I, I think that they're going to try to go back and forth with these two quarterbacks in the next few preseason games. And then, yeah, if, God forbid, they get into a circumstance, ruling out bringing in a veteran quarterback is, is uh, to me, premature because there's always somebody still out on the market that may be able to come in, has familiarity with Pat Shermer's offense, that they could turn to in a pinch. Okay. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Hey, you got it, Scott. Thank you. Thanks so much for weighing in. Appreciate the phone call. And I know a lot of people are always a little nervous about the depth chart when it comes to quarterback when you have two young players yeah. who are unproven there. I, I think the Giants really want to get a sample size of Kyle La- Laletta. I think they really want to see him play. I think because I think they like him a lot. Yeah. And uh, not to say they don't like Davis Webb, but Davis Webb was, you know, he was drafted by the previous people. And um, just knowing that, you know, when new organizations come in, they like to have their own guys and they're hoping that they see a little bit more out of Davis Webb. So he's going to definitely get some some reps and uh, we'll see what happens with both of them. He's got to play better and enough of the hype. Like, oh, I was jacked up and all that kind of stuff. That's that's out there. Listen, <laughs> I could care less of how jacked up you are. You're going to go out and play. Of now. course, you got to execute. You know, I understand that after a while. Okay, well, you know, hype down. Like, take the balloon or the sack or, you know, the, the just try to put the thing up to your nose. <laughs> the just, oxygen you know. mask, yeah. <laughs> Relax, you know. Yeah. yeah, we all get hyped do, up. Do, do some yoga. Yeah. Get, uh, get even keel in, yeah. in terms of your approach. But when I was on earlier the week with Paul – I mean, I agree that it is still a small sample size, but I also agree with, and you just touched on this, Jeff, whether you're in with the second team, the third team, the first team, people want to say, you know, well, the level of competition is different, the offensive line. That's fine, but still execute. I I, I still think you're holding a player to the standards of if you're going up against the third team or the second team, you still obviously want to go out there go through your progressions, and execute. And, and that's all you can evaluate. Yes, yeah. there are going to be some times where your offensive line doesn't protect you. you got to run around. But you know what? That's part of the evaluation process. They want to see. Because you could be in there with the first team, Jeff. There's breakdowns on the offensive line. You may have to roll Still out of the, the pocket. Still the same thing, yeah. The concepts and the level of decision-making doesn't change whether you're with the first team, the second team, or the third team. And you know what? If you're throwing balls to those receivers and you're hitting them in the hands and they're dropping them and you're 0 for 9 – well, you know what? I, every one of those routes I threw, the guy was the ball was right where it was supposed to be. The guy's freaking dropped it. And anyone who's been around football is going to evaluate that accordingly. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to hold it against the quarterback. Right. They're going to say, the "Hey, that's a reflection were. of the talent." <laughs> no, the fans, of course, will. But then that's not logical Correct. breakdowns of football games. That's right. And so I think that to this point, they need to get reps in games, and they need to a little bit. I, I honestly, I think this last week. Um, up in Detroit, they got a lot of evaluation going against a, a team that you haven't been around. And so that's really almost like playing three preseason games up there in a week. Two two real practices and then the preseason game tomorrow night. Which is why I think it'll be very interesting to see how they divvy up the reps with the first team. Because maybe they feel Eli's seen enough with this Lions defense. Maybe we're going to give Davis Webb and Kyle Laletta a little bit more of an opportunity and then move everybody up. So Davis gets in earlier in the game on Friday. I think it might be a lot like the first preseason game. 
You know, they'll, they'll get a series, get them through, and then get them out of there because they had enough practice during the week. And then it's a, and this is kind of a uh, a warm-up for that third preseason game where everybody around the league goes into to the third quarter, all the starters do, because you got to get that type of conditioning in there. you got to learn how to play a game going in from start and going, coming out of the locker room at halftime and then finishing, and then, you know, then you get to the real game. But um, in the fourth game, you don't want to lose anybody to injury by having a stupid fourth preseason game, so nobody yeah. plays. I'll never forget the time we played New England. We always played New England the last game of the of the preseason, the Giants. And um, there was one time we played at New England. All the guys, you know, we got 90, wherever it was, 60 guys at that point because they had the cut already. The 75-man cut. And then um, – we look over and half the team is doing a workout on the sidelines. Um, and then when the game started, there literally was only, I, I swear to you, probably 25 guys dressed. <laughs> it looked like it was a peewee so team over offense there. offense and defense. These apparently. guys were like, yeah. all the, they, they didn't play any, any first or second teamers. It was all third team guys. Wow. And it was the rest of the roster and there was nobody there. Everyone else was in street clothes or went home. You're looking across going, do they have enough guys? Guys, yeah. It was unbelievable. <laughs> that's that's Bill Belichick for you. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have to play them all. They just said, as no. long as you got 11 on the field. You can have that's all the bodies you want. Yeah. It's up to the head coach who he wants to put in. But related to that, that's why they got rid of the 75-man cut. Because now they want to have at least 90 guys on the roster still for that final preseason that's game. Right. So if you don't want to play your starters, don't play them. You but still you, got enough bodies got to enough go out body. there. Yeah, exactly. That was yeah. the rationale behind that. Yep. That's all what right. happened. That is going to wrap up Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. I bet we'll be back tomorrow. I bet you you are correct. There we are. We will. Up and running at 1 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Jeff and I will set the stage for the second preseason game, and then Jeff and I will be ready to rock and roll for the pregame show on WCBS News Radio 880 starting at 6.05 p.m. Eastern. That's tomorrow. So we'll set the stage again tomorrow. We appreciate everybody for tuning in, your calls and your tweets. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday right here on Giants.com. Have a good one.